But I just want to ask him, um, who are you going to vote for? I'm not going to mention the B word, but who are you going to vote for? I've got all some manifestos here, Liberal Democrats, the Green Party, Plaid Cymru, and the Labour Party. The Conservatives come out later on today. These are manifestos, and a manifesto is a public declaration of policy and aims. I want to present to you this morning a different manifesto, not for the few, but for the many, and it's called the Kingdom of God. And I'm asking you to sign up for the party that will bring true life and transformation. If you want a policy summary of the manifesto, read Matthew chapter 5 through 8. You'll see Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the manifesto is all about life. And if you want a strapline or a logo, it's simply this. God loves the universe. Who will vote with me for this manifesto and this party and this kingdom of God? And let's get it done right now. It's a party that is sealed by a cross. And we are signed up to a movement, not just to a party, but a movement that brings life and transformation, hope and reconciliation and peace to the world because we follow the world's most revolutionary leader and his name is Jesus Christ. We are part of a revolutionary movement with the most radical revolutionary leader the world has ever known. And Jesus calls us to not only sign up for the manifesto and to discuss it and study it and talk about it in our meetings, but he wants us to live it out so that truly this kingdom of God is not just for the few, but for the many. So we've got to get a move on, haven't we? And that's what our series on Base Camp has been about. And it's not the conclusion of that series today. This is just the start of something new. I believe it's an exciting adventure. It's an adventure into where God is calling us in these days. And I'm excited by that. Anybody else share that excitement? Perhaps once more with a bit more enthusiasm. Thank you. New chapter. You see, the God that many of us have come to know and love and serve is a God of journeys with his people. And any church that reflects the ways of God will be a church like ours that is continually on the move. Yesterday, Glenn, Janet and I, we were up in County Durham and we were at a thing that was like a museum and there were some nice exhibits and we spent a couple of hours very pleasantly there in a warm environment. Sorry, it wasn't a museum. It just felt like that. It was a church. Thankfully, that church is called a pioneer who can help that church to reimagine the future. But when the members stood up, well, in fact, during the service, I said to Glenn, I think there comes a point when you and I as the youngsters need to go out to the Sunday school. <laughs> Hardly anybody under 60 years of age. We give thanks to God that there are all ages here, the children, the young people, but actually we're getting older. And there's a lot of people my age and there's a lot of people my age, like me, who come from unchurched backgrounds, who would never come into any church service or any meeting that we call. We have a good news of the kingdom of God that is not just for the few and the remaining, but for the many. And they're out there beyond the walls of this church. We're not called to be a museum, an institution that preserves the Christian faith. We're called to be part of Jesus' revolutionary movement that takes his good news, his manifesto of life, out not to the few, but to the many. Faith was never intended to be a destination, but a journey. It's not a building. We're not, when we talk about church, we don't talk about church buildings. It's bad theology. 
but we're a movement. We're not a warehouse storing treasures, but we're a people on the move with God. We're not a Black Friday day or movement. We're a Good Friday people that doesn't last for a day or a weekend or a week. We're a Good Friday movement that brings transformation to the world for eternity. And if we remain just kind of as we are, pointing back to how we once were, what we used to be or to do, and refuse to take up our tent pegs and move on, we become stuck. I'd like to do something now. Those of you who are able, can you just stand? And could you just swap seats with the person next to you? And can you just move your body a bit, you know, wherever you are? Shake a leg. Okay, sit down. Now, that might have been a bit embarrassing, a bit annoying, a bit awkward, but you could do it, couldn't you? And you know what? We as a church can move to the places that God wants us to move in these coming days. And sometimes it will be a bit challenging, and sometimes we'll find ourselves in places that we haven't occupied before. Dave Etherington, who, thank God, Glenn is going to be his mentor. This was the guy that was ordained yesterday. In that same church, the only other younger person under 60 years of age was another student at Cranmer Hall called Mel. Mel felt a call of God. She used to sit in the Weatherspoons pub and drink herself to a stupor. She's now the chaplain of Weatherspoons pub in concert. (laughs) If we're going to be a people who break camp, move from base camp and be in the places that God takes us, we're going to be in places that are at times a little bit uncomfortable. But you know what? God is out there in the neighborhood. And our task is to go and join God in the neighborhood because Jesus is there in the heartlands and the homelands, because Jesus' good news is not for the few, but for the many. So this great series that you've been exploring, I've been listening to it on my travels, exploring this theme where we've looked at some of the essentials of resting and breathing and praying and preparing and last week going. And today, in a sense, it's about commissioning, living in the light of what God has said to us through this series, but also in the light of what God has to continue to say through us. And to help us in this calling, we have a panel. I'll put on my Fiona Bruce impression. (laughs) It's rubbish. So we have a panel today, not of question time. Welcome to North Allerton. But after we've sung another song, Zoe, is that okay? Can we sing now? Yeah? Actually, don't bother getting up. I I know that was awkward for you. Don't bother. We'll do it later. But we were impressed by the speed of movements. That you would expect from youthfulness, but for the middle-aged, it was really impressive. (laughs) No, seriously. Do you know my experience of pastoring churches is, it's rarely the young people. It's not the older people. It's often us middle-aged, well, I'm not middle-aged now. It's the middle-aged people who become more entrenched because they know how to do things and start wield power. We all need to be whatever age, people of movement. So we will sing that song a little bit later on. Bless you. So please welcome our panel. We've got Glenn. And we've got Steve. And Jen and Greg. And Joe. And we have a guest this morning. Good friend, Dave Johnson. If you don't know Dave, he's a pioneer minister. He trained at Cranmer Hall, where I teach. He's a good guy. I knew his sister at Portrack. And Dave is a pioneer minister. He lives on the Castlegate Estate where Shirley and I live, and we were out yesterday talking to people and distributing those Christmas leaflets from all the churches. So you're all very, very welcome. The idea this morning is I'm I'm going to give them an early question, and then we're going to open up questions and have conversations with you, the congregation, this morning. All right? 
It's that lovely thing, isn't there? There's something wrong with this microphone, and uh, to which Anglicans reply, and also with you. Uh, <laughs> we've embarked upon a really exciting series. I actually believe that we'll look back on this autumn series as a significant moment in the life of the church. So I'm going to ask each of you, briefly in turn, actually what has this series meant either to you personally or to some area of ministry that you're involved with in the church? These folks don't represent everything that the church does, but some of them hold responsibilities for some of the areas. So who's, who's going to kick off? Glenn, you've got the microphone. <laughs> I was just reflecting as we've gone through this process, and one of the key words for me is just responsiveness to the call of Jesus on our lives. And, and for me, that's what this is all about. Jesus is always calling his disciples. That's what we see in the New Testament. And as we hear his call to come to him and rest, as we, when he says, you know, receive the Holy Spirit, when he, he tells us to come and pray with him, when he calls us to come and follow him and get ready, and then when he says, go, and I'll be with you. It's all about, for me, just responding to the call of Jesus and us being that kind of church who are ready to respond to the Lord. Thank you. Steve. Oh, just sleeping there. <laughs> no, nothing personal. For me, it has reinforced that God is out in the community and that base camp is a gateway into the community. Uh, you all know about the living rooms, it's just been open a couple of weeks. That has been a real revolution in my thinking that the living rooms is not just for the living rooms, it's not just a place, a base camp in itself, but it's a gateway into the community. Great. And base camp is a gateway for us into whatever community is ours, whether it's a family, friends, school, university, it's a gateway. Thank you. Joe. do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I can endorse what Steve says about the living rooms. It's just the number of times God has brought things in the past two weeks alone is just amazing. For me, the word is anticipation. I have a real excitement about what God has for us as a church through, through this vision. But it's also quite scary, isn't it, when you don't know quite where God's taken us. It's really exciting. There's that adrenaline rush but there's also that angst, for me anyway. And I was taken back to a sermon Phil preached ages ago, and one of the things he said was, if we stay in our comfort zones, they get smaller. And that challenged me then, and it still challenges me today. Mm-hmm. And in the living rooms, I've perhaps stepped out of my comfort zone, or certainly pushed the edges of it, and I can just say, God's been with me in it, and well, let's go for it. That's good. Remember Abraham? asked by God to go out of that which was familiar and known into the unknown. Why was he being asked to do that? So that he would be blessed and he would be a blessing to others. And as God takes us out of our comfort zones, he takes us out to be blessed, to be a blessing to others. That's great. Uh, Jen, tell us, we've seen the the video clip, but uh, what's been going on? Yeah, I think for us, it's really kind of been a game changer on a Sunday morning, really. Like, we've been following the adults' teaching series now since maybe summertime, maybe a bit before that. And it has been really good seeing the kids engage with the same subjects as, as you guys have, obviously in, in a little bit of a different way. But, yeah, they've really kind of grabbed... Well, you saw the excitement in their faces, and that's not just because I've got a camera in front of them saying, talk to me. <laughs> it's, 
Or hot chocolate. Or hot chocolate. (laughs) We have bribed them a little bit with hot chocolate, I'll be honest with you. And they're having hot chocolate this morning, although Hannah's asked for tea. But (laughs) there you go. But yeah, they've really kind of grasped it and we've done something different each week I think for me my favorite week was the pray week because they were coming and doing different prayer spaces and and just engaging from the smallest one to the oldest one in different ways and I just think you know we just need to keep going ourselves actually as a children's ministry with that in mind you know taking it up a level and taking it up the next level and I'm actually I know we're not doing it until next week but I'm really excited about the Christmas studies that we're going to do as well because it's going to go off the back of that quite nicely so that's great thank you and let's remember the children are not the church of tomorrow they're the church of today amen Uh, and we are community and don't not hot chocolate because in Dundee you may some of you may know this there's a phenomenal pioneering movement called chocolate and they actually reached out on the streets of Dundee to the young, marginalized, several homeless young people. And they actually started serving hot chocolate in a center. And from that has grown a movement of about 200 young people who've come to know and love and serve Christ. It's the most phenomenal missional movement in the city of Dundee. And it's called the Chocolate House. There you go. Dave, you're very welcome among us. Let's welcome him. Thank you. Dave, you've kind of dipped in and looked on and observed. What would you say to us about this series that we've been doing as a church? I've been to a couple of the sermons, which were fantastic, of course. Flattery will get you everywhere. Keep going. One of the interesting things I've found, I've been in post about six months now, and I was appointed to work outside of the church to find where God is working and work alongside him. And I think it's no coincidence that the timing of what is happening here Mm-hmm. fits with what else is happening across North Allerton. Mm-hmm. As you know, the team here are fantastic at planning, but so is God. And um, God is planning so much in this town. It just seems the right time, a time such as this. Within the Anglican Church, we are um, planning so much to do outside of the church. We've got a mission coming next year, which you're all invited to be part of. And it's all about how we change our perspective. How do we change from being introspective to looking outwards mm-hmm. i was reading something yesterday that said if you look at the oceans around where jesus was firstly there's the dead sea there and water flows into the dead sea but never flows out mm-hmm. it just goes in and because of the evaporation it gets saltier and saltier and nothing can live there nothing goes out of there but if you look at the sea of galilee where jesus was predominantly Water goes in and goes out again, and it's teeming with life. It's alive. Mm-hmm. And as we um, exist as a church, we need to be both letting people flow in and flow out. Mm-hmm. And that's where life comes from. Brilliant. It's a lovely image. And I think, you know, as somebody who's traveled a lot, continues to travel, I think we need to recognize and give thanks to God for the partnership that we share with other believers in this town. It's quite unusual to have five churches working so well together for the sake of the gospel. That's a real gift. And as we think later as we come to communion, it's by our love for one another that the world will know we are Christ's disciples. And and there are great opportunities to work together in partnership, not only with the living rooms, you know, Northumbria Community Office on a Wednesday morning in Cafe Nero. Come and join us at 8.30. Think about Barker's on a Monday morning. That's right. And then the the Sunday, second Sunday? Second Sunday of the month at 6 o'clock. Churches are coming together to worship at All Saints. It's a bit chilly, but it's great because we've got unity. And there's a new heating system coming. Next year, next year. But it's a chance to explore our faith together and pray for the town together. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. 
Greg, young people, what have you been doing with the young people? Uh, yeah, uh, young people have engaged well on Sunday mornings with uh, base camp stuff. Um, we did some posters last week. We're just thinking about how to take that command go in the Great Commission and take it out from these walls. And the three things that I wanted to pull out, I could talk all day about the posters and the stuff that they created, but the three things, that the message that they were really hoping to carry were Jesus wants everyone. And for me, that really resonates with what you were saying before about keeping and maintaining and a museum-like space but also make your life whole and finding true companions is the real hope that Jesus actually has for people. That If you're not stepping in here or a church event across town, you probably wouldn't know, which is why it's right to be outside. Yeah. And I'd say also for the young people and the young adult groups as well, we changed a couple of years ago from home groups to life groups and being hope faith and love together in those three elements um, I think the, the children, the young people and the young adults took that change really easily, I, th I think mostly we were actually already, with the groups they were, young people were already doing that stuff that hope was already a natural element to inviting people in and so for our summer feast kind of gatherings in the summer, we had five young people to invite in that age group and we ended up with 15 each week. They just Brilliant. they just naturally just bring their friends along. And when it comes to like the, the Kiva thing, I know the Kiva microfinancing thing inspired several people in this room. The young people had already raised money and already given micro loans out to the tune of sort of 700 pounds already. And people in this room came to me and just gave me checks after said, yeah, let the young people take this out, let them use this resource for God's goodness uh, and kingdom out in the world. And so just the fact that they're inspiring you guys and leading the way with faith, hope and love in their life groups with the kids and with the, with the young people and the young adults is really good that they're kind of, the inspiration's kind of heading upwards and kind of the age scale and what have you. That's great. We, we pray, don't we, that God will continue to bless them and also raise up a generation of young people who might live radically for Jesus. The lovely thing about some of our young people is they, they're natural bridge builders over which the love of God travels. They, they don't have the sacred secular divide to do. They relate to people who are their mates and friends who are outside the church. Some of us have become so cocooned within our Christian culture, we don't know how to talk to people who are outside the church. So, so bless you in all that. Right, we, we, we actually have some runners. Here's an opportunity to take questions and comments from the floor. We haven't got long about to do this, but let's do it. Anybody got any questions to ask any of the folks on the panel about our series? Any reflections on the series? Thank you. It's taught me two very important things, prayer and encouragement. Thank you. Anybody else want to share their experience of this series? Any questions you have for the panel about what we're doing? Rob. Yeah, so we're talking about the anticipation, we're talking about the excitement, we're talking about the vision. What do you find, and particularly maybe Dave as a, as a pioneer, but what are the barriers that we're going to be facing and how we as church do you think overcome those so that we can take this from anticipation and something that's exciting and make it something that's real? What are we going to have to overcome coming forward? Thank you. Thanks for your question. What barriers, stumbling blocks? The greatest barrier and limitation is ourselves. The thing that prevents us from actually proceeding in the kingdom of God is our, our own limitations and our own lack of faith, I think. It's, it's amazing. So I spent the last six months praying and um, not having any work to do. It's been great. <laughs> uh, but going around the town, I'm seeing God at work in so many places. And there's quite a number of people here I've met who are doing fantastic things for God already because God is already working in the town. The challenge for us is to find out where he's working and to work alongside him. 
because it's only when we do that and work in his strength that we're going to have an impact. The other thing that uh, we worry about is who do we approach? Who do we reach out to? Jesus had a very interesting model, didn't he? He spoke to everyone he came across. And I think that's a challenge for us. How do we give Christ across in everyone we meet? What is it about us that speaks Jesus? But then what Jesus also did, he he had a, a group around him that was a smaller group that he taught, but then he concentrated on three whom he really spent time with, prayed with. And I think sometimes we overpower ourselves with the task that's out there. But if rather we can find just a a small number who we can concentrate on, pray with, and disciple, then I think that's that's part of the way we tackle the challenge. Yeah, there's a little bit of illustration of that yesterday. We were giving out these Christmas invitations on the estate. I met Dave. I, I didn't want to go out. It was a miserable morning, wasn't it? I was going on to an ordination service. Shirley was full of cold and feeling miserable and, you know, wasn't able to get up and make me breakfast, so it was a really roughish day. (laughs) I jest. But then I went out and I met with Dave, and within moments we're in conversation with somebody who holds quite a responsibility in this town. We were horrified by some of the things that were shared. We were also encouraged by a few things that were shared. But then you move on from the kind of business and what's going on to talk about life and some of the things that were going on in that person's life. And just to be able to naturally, outside on our estate, say that we would pray for that person as they faced a situation on both Tuesday and Wednesday. And actually, when you join God in the adventure, you discover that Jesus has gone before you. And it's not hard work if you have to drum up. Our task is to just allow the overflow of the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives and to see what God's doing in the neighborhood. Thank God we have some of you involved in parish and council. And po- We need more Christians in politics. We need more people to shake up the dross that's going on in our towns and our councils to actually bring the light and hope of Jesus Christ, to bring righteousness and peace and good news for the whole of North Allerton, not just the few. So just a little example. Steve, you wanted to say something? Quick, Steve, while, while the microphone goes to the next question. Just to say, I agree entirely. When we find where God is at work, we find that work is just so easy. So yesterday, this is a a real-life example, Um, I was at the living rooms and was told that Carol from Carol's Cafe, which is down the arcade, Mm -hmm. had been in earlier on in the week, to say that she recognized people with poor well-being in her cafe and she was going to signpost them down to us. So I went down to Carol's Cafe, had a chat with Carol, and she was so interested in why we were doing this project. I was able to explain the churches were working together, and I was able to share something of faith to somebody who previously I would have had no reason to speak to because God is at work. Later that morning, I prayed for somebody in the prayer room who's been an alcoholic for many years. He was just so interested to know how God could help him. So church was happening yesterday in Garthway Arcade. Beyond the the walls. Absolutely. Phil, you had a question? Yeah, Matthew 8 verse 19, a teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And it just struck me that, you know, a tent is an intention not to stay put. It's, it's, a, it's a way of being somewhere where you, are, you haven't got your home and just knowing how we are. How do we stop this movement becoming how do we, basically, how do we keep ourselves intentionally moving? This is a, you know, a good thing. The living rooms has been great, but how do we stop the living rooms becoming a house? How do we stop base camp becoming a house to live in? How do we keep that intentionality that Jesus challenged this teacher of the law with good to question. live without a home? You would like to pick that up, Jen? Yeah, I was uh, reading a devotion this morning, and um, it said that this woman had seen a tree 
and the tree was laid really, really heavy with tiny, tiny little apples. But the tree was kind of drooping. It was full of fruit, but it was drooping because it hadn't been pruned. And what the lady was saying in this devotion was that if it had been pruned, the fruit would have been ripe and juicy and it would have grown to its full potential. But because the tree hadn't been pruned, it was all dangly, droopy and with tiny fruit that was sour. And I think, you know, in response to your question, I think the way that we can get out of here is by iron sharpening iron, you know, kind of pruning ourselves and just embedding ourselves in the word, praying together, encouraging one another, doing all of these things, actually, that we've been talking about over the last however many weeks. We need to be real with one another, don't we? Great, thank you. There's a lovely phrase that actually, I think it was uh, Archbishop Rowan Williams said, and many people have used it since. He said, it's not that the church has a mission, but that the missional God has a church. And that's a very different way of looking at things. Like mission is one of the things the church does. No, the God who loves the world is a missional God, and he's called us to reflect his heart for the world. And that helps us keep moving movement as opposed to maintenance and institution. Last word, Glenn. I think the whole uh, maintenance thing is always a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it will continue to be. But hopefully in what we have here is a rhythm mm-hmm. uh, for life, which is about relationship. Uh, it's not about structure. It's not about how we do things. It's about how we respond to Jesus. And I think that's key for us going forward. But I think we'll always have to be encouraging each other to go and just following on from Dave's point about the barriers I, I, I think that's right and you know the big barrier I think for most of us is fear yeah. but when the Holy Spirit comes when we breathe in yeah. the Spirit we receive courage absolutely. and we just need to be courageous I think absolutely yeah I was thinking as we take these leafless out to the new estates that's fantastic we're actually saying will you come to us how about us going to them over the Christmas period, wouldn't it be good to take a group down there and do some carols and just introduce them to Christ that way? We're going onto their territory then, not them coming to our territory. That may then open a door in the future for a very small group of something being established in those two areas. Maybe only two or three people, Amen. but it's building. Thank you. Well, I'm going to get Dave to have the very last word on this because on our estate, on the Castlegate estate... October the 31st, Halloween, and I've always kind of ducked Halloween and avoided it. We've held light parties and things. This guy with his wife on our estate opens up his garage, and you do what? We put ghostbusters in there, so young kids come along and, and bust the ghosts. You know, we have the power over these dark things, and we had hot chocolate and uh, all sorts of stuff. hot chocolate. I think God's calling see. us to hot chocolate. There's, 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 there's the key. But we had over 100 people with kids coming through our garage. And all of them were saying, oh, we need to be doing more stuff like this. So on the 15th of December, there will be carols on the Castlegate estate. But we're also going to put nativity in the garage, where families can come and take photos in the garage and creating community. When I've been out talking to people who don't have faith and they hear what I'm doing, they seem quite bemused. And I ask them what they're looking for and what church should be for them. And what they're looking for is community and a sense of belonging. And that's something that we can easily offer, not just in our churches, but with our neighbours. 
and dozens of folk on our Castlegate Facebook post, dozens of folk were communicating, corresponding, affirming all that went on at Dave and Liz's house that day. So come and join us on the 15th. You want to see how it's done? Come and join us. I'm not sure it's a question, it's more of a comment. Great. I see people on a daily basis with health issues and all I seem to say is, well, nothing's going to change unless you change something. And all of these things, if you think about the psychology of it, it's all a circle and certain people will be ready to change, certain people won't be ready to change and things have got to change before that person wants to change. And I am hoping that we can continue to look back and work our way through, but I'm wanting to see what we are going to change so that we can change something. Yeah, good point. Good last point. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, thank you to our panel. Give them a round of applause. Thank you. Just remember that the same psychological driver that is at work within us for anxiety is the same driver that kicks into adventure. And faith enables us to embrace the opportunities and challenges we face with adventure, not anxiety. Hear the words of Jesus, fear not. You know, he came to the disciples, didn't he, after the resurrection. They were frightened, they were fearful, they were disillusioned, they were disorientated. And what was his words to them? Peace be with you. I suppose many of you know that this building opened in 1939 as the Lyric Cinema and Theatre. And it seated a thousand people. Cinema. There's more than one way to watch a film now, despite the renaissance of film showings. And if you have a great film and you want to screen it, you have to realize that for most people, they're watching in their homes, on their tablets, on their iPhones, on their computers. They don't all come to the cinema. The good news of Jesus, like a great film, is worth sharing. And we want all to see, don't we? But the vast majority will not come to see it in this place. So we have to be a people who break camp, loosen the tags, move out, and actually share that good news. Because it's not new life for the church, but it's new life for the town and the region and the world. So from base camp we move out, and as we do so this morning, as we conclude our service by breaking bread and drinking wine, let's remember the Christ who motivates us, who empowers us, the Jesus who the Father said in John's Gospel, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And he breathed upon them, receive the Holy Spirit. So as we drink of the cup, as we break the bread and remember, let's break camp and share the bread of life with others. As we drink of the cup that speaks of the love of God poured out for us, let us pour out our lives in making that love known beyond the walls of the church. Amen. The policies in Jesus' manifesto. John 13, 17, profound passages in Scripture. Jesus gathers his disciples in the upper room and he shares with them, as the children were reminding us in the video, that he washed their feet, humility. And then he went on in John 13, 17, both talking and praying. And it wasn't all about the finer points of doctrine and tradition and ways in which we worship God. The thing that Jesus went on and on about was relationship with God and relationship with one another. Let us hear the gospel as we break bread together. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. For it is by your love for one another that the world will know that you are my disciples 
Let us give thanks to God for the gift of one another, for the gift of God that has reconciled us not to himself alone, but to one another. John 20, 19, when it was evening on that day in the first day of the week and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. For as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So as we receive food for the journey, receive bread and wine, let's in the words of our Anglican friends, Eucharist liturgy, with its rich symbolism, speak to us. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And remember that Christ died for us, Christ was raised from the dead, and he lives and reigns. Therefore, let us feed on him in our hearts with thanksgiving by faith. Amen. We're going to prepare to receive our bread and wine, food for the journey. If you love Christ and are reconciled with one another in the friendship and fellowship of Jesus, you are welcome to partake of the bread and wine. I'm going to ask Dave to just come and give us a prayer of thanksgiving in the light of Scripture and in the gift that God has given us in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you humbled yourself and joined us in humanity. We thank you that you died for us, that we may be saved, that we may be healed. And we thank you for your resurrection, that we may rise with you in glory. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of bread and wine, that we may remember you and all that you have sacrificed for us. So bless us and bless this bread and wine in your precious name. Amen. After we've received our food for the journey, and we want to go out from this place in peace to love and serve the Lord, we want to encourage you to, to take the leaflets that everybody should have been given this morning, and you'll see in there there's a response, I will go, Lord, the family, friends, and home, and then the neighborhood and town, the place of work and study, and the place of here and there, home and abroad. We want you to reflect and see where God is calling you to plant, to pitch your tent, to be among. For those who will listen to this service and think, well, well I'm housebound, what on earth can I do in this context? Last Sunday afternoon, I was with the oldest members of our community in Sedba, Cumbria, both dying of terminal cancer, unlikely to make Christmas. But they said, as long as I have breath... We will each day pray for you and your ministry within the community. Every single member of this church has a part to play in this base camp operation moving out into our neighborhoods. For some of you, you need to build again those relationships with family and friends. Use your homes, but be in other people's homes. Jesus was more often the guest at people's homes than the host. And I think one of the challenges we face is learning to be guests in other people's places instead of us being in control and hosting everything. Those places of work. And we sense, and I shared this a little bit with Glenn, you know, home here and there. I sense that God is calling people to what used to be referred to as ministry at home and the mission field abroad. We don't do it enough, challenge people to the adventure of faith. Dave was a business entrepreneur and God got hold of him and took him off to Durham to train to be a pioneer minister. Dave Etherington was an addict 
addicted to so many things, his life was ruined, and yesterday we ordained him to Christian ministry at Black Hill Concert. Mel, who was a bordering alcoholic, who is now the chaplain at Weatherspoons. On this morning's Radio 4 service from St. John's College in Durham, Emma told the story. She's the deputy warden of Cramner Hall. As a 16-year-old, she was in a mission hall in Sunderland, and somebody saw the potential in her life and encouraged her. A lass who was struggling with her GCSEs, and now she's deputy warden, training people for ministry. I want you to ask, what is God doing with your life that will make it count for the kingdom of God? And we just want to encourage you as you've received bread and wine, fed on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. God calls every single one of us to be a blessing and to take the blessing of God back into those areas. So let us go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. This is not the end. This is a step into new beginnings, fresh adventures. Let's say together the morning blessing. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Bless you. Amen. Oh,
Jesus Messiah 